Oh, oh man. Anyway, I'm fine. I'm back to normal today, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> <laughs> Say or, hi. Or, uh, or Abby normal. Maybe you're back to Abby, Abby normal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, brought, you brought me the brain that I put into a seven-foot two <laughs> hunk of monster, <laughs> and it's an abnormal brain. was the opening music to Zatoichi. Uh, the full name of the movie is The Tale of Zatoichi, and it's the first movie in a series of 26 that were made over the course of, wow, probably 30 years, I think. I think the last one was Just made in the 30, 80s. Yeah. 1989 was the last one. Yeah. And I've, I've watched the first three, uh, and I I plan to watch all of them, but it's going to take me a while. And I, I have to say that this is one of my favorite movies, even though I think the premise of the movie seems kind of strange at first when you hear about it. But we'll we'll get into that as we talk about it. I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from rainy, stormy Seattle. And I'm Bob Johnson coming to you from sunny Los Angeles, where the weather is in the 70s. And we need more rain. Okay, I'll send some your way from from Seattle. For uh, you that can look, you great. can look for that soon. Uh, Thank and you. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net, or just search for Classic Movie Reviews in iTunes. So, what do you think of the movie? Kind of what what are your uh, high high level thoughts on it? I did some background on it, so I'll come back to that. I like the movie a lot. I, uh, I, it reminded me of watching some of the westerns that have been made kind of with the same premise that took place in, in the movie that we're reviewing this week. I really enjoyed the black and white photography. The music I thought was a good fit to the film scenes. And it sounded to me like the music had come from more of a classical music background. Uh, and I, I thought about some, you know, some of the highlights that I, that reminded me of Westerns, like a good guy as a reluctant warrior, bad guys that push too much, some level of love interest. In the second act, the good guy decides to take action. And the third act, boy, does he ever take action. There's <laughs> yeah. gunfight. It's like sword fights, fist fights, knife fights. And then it has an upbeat ending. And the ending 
to me, reminded me of the ending of Shane, where Shane rides off into the sunset. But some of the movies I was reminded of as I watched it were High Noon, The Big Country, Gunfight at the OK Corral, on and on. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. It seems like there's a pretty uh, strong crossover between some of these Japanese uh, samurai or ronin movies and the westerns. I mean, the the best example being the Seven Samurai, directed by Akira Kurosawa, uh, and that was remade as the Magnificent Seven. Uh, but this movie, I think you're right, has a lot of similarities to the westerns from the '50s and 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 later. Uh, yeah, and I, I agree. The music, the music at the beginning is very dramatic, and they they did something weird with the uh, development of the film, where they uh, sort of made even the film look more dramatic at the in the opening scenes. I kind of I like the opening scenes where he's wandering through the countryside, and there's a part where he has to cross over this wooden this this log that's over this uh, this kind of uh, waterway, and he's got to try to figure out how to do that because he's blind. Then he uh, shows up into this little village, and I thought the sets looked really nice. I mean, it seemed like they spent quite a bit of money on the on the sets. I felt the same way, uh, and it was very realistic because of where they had filmed it. It, it. it didn't look like a studio setup, at least for the outdoor scenes. Uh, plus, I thought that uh, he was a heck of a good gambler. Yeah, scene that took place in the in the gambling parlor. Did you like that and then beginning? He off those gamblers, I I really did. Yeah, because because he's blind, obviously, and he he comes in and uh, says that he's there to visit the uh, the boss. Uh, they they kind of call him the boss, but he's sort of the the leader of the gang that that lives in this village. And uh, there's all these Ronin or hired henchmen, I guess you could call them almost, that are living there at the house. And they're all back in this room and gambling, and Zatoichi, well, his character's name is just Ichi, we'll just call him Ichi, uh, sits down and is kind of by this open door and is smelling the air. And sure. it- <laughs> <laughs> He says it smells like a plum tree, and then he turns his head and smells the air in the room, and says it stinks in here. <laughs> and all the all the ruffians take offense at that, and then he realizes that oh, you almost live here together in this one room, and it's the first <laughs> it's the first time that we kind of get a sense that not only is he blind, but he he has heightened senses. And the, and this is a recurring theme throughout the movie where he can either smell something or he can hear something and it's beyond what like a normal person that had uh had his his or her eyesight would be able to do. I really like the uh the connection to the films that are made in the US. One that just came to mind as you were talking about Ronan is the film Ronan with Robert De Niro that was uh, made, I think, in the late 1990s. And it was about a group of people in Europe, much on a similar mission to this film. And then one of my favorites is uh, 
The 17th film in this series was remade here in 1990 as Blind Fury. <laughs> yeah. With with Rudger with Howard. Rudger Howard, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I really enjoyed that movie, and I didn't realize at the time I went to that that it was based on film number 17 in the uh, in the series. But back to the story, I also really liked uh, his friendship with the other Ronin. Um, and that played out in the end where the other Ronin he has to kill and the sadness and tragedy of that. It's a, again, it's got a bit of the Shakespearean to it. Uh, we skipped over a little bit of the background right. on the studio and all. Yeah, go ahead and let us, uh, let's hear about that. Well, the, this film was released in April of 1962, and it was made by the studio at that time, Dali Studios, I believe it's pronounced. It's, since that time, it's uh, changed its name and gotten bigger. It was, this uh, character was created by Kan Shimazawa. I hope I'm close to the proper pronunciation of that. And not only were there the 26 movies, but there were 100 television episodes. So it, it's like uh, in our country, in the U.S., it would be like Gunsmoke. I mean, the, it's, it's, it's the, the actor that played uh, Ichi, I mean, that was his whole career, basically, playing this character. Man. Do you have the, the name of the actor that plays Ichi? Do you there? Uh, I, with apologies to my pronunciation, I have it as Shintaro Katsu. Yeah, that's it. Shintaro Katsu, yeah. I thought he did a really good job. Uh, and in fact, I just happened to watch this movie on Hulu, uh, about a year ago or maybe six months ago. And I had no idea what it was about, but I had just heard some good things about it, uh, kind of generally. And when I watched it, I thought, boy, he's, he's a really good actor. I, I wonder, is he, is he really blind? And then when the ending came and he opened his eyes and looked at the, the boss at the end, I thought, oh my gosh, he really is blind. And then I, I did some research and discovered, no, actually he's not blind, but boy, he really did a good job of embodying a blind, uh, what I would imagine a blind samurai would be like. I was just about to say that every one of his other senses were heightened by the fact that he had uh, lost his sight. And and the, you, uh, you had mentioned the gambling scene at the beginning, and, and that's one of my favorite scenes because he knows that all these, uh, these guys are going to try to take advantage of him because he's blind. And so he actually uses that against them and ends up taking all their money. <laughs> I know! <laughs> And then they all want to kill him. They're all out, they were they're all out for blood because they realize that they'd been swindled by him. And, and they then. They're not happy. Just, just as, uh, they're running out to try to find him, uh, the boss returns from this trip that he'd been on. And the boss is so happy to see Ichi and, and, uh, said, I'm so glad that you, you know, came back to, you, you stopped by when you were coming through town and, you know, you know, be sure to, you know, you're, you're my welcome guest here. And then he turns to one of the, one of the other Ronin and says to him, uh, be sure to wash Ichi's feet and give him a massage. 
And yeah. <laughs> the look on his face was like perfect. He's like, I want to kill this guy. What do you mean I have to wash his feet and give him a massage? <laughs> got to be kidding. Yeah, Except we great. know that if, if, if the guy had refused to do that, he would have been a goner. He would have. And, and that, the, Ichi has a line in there where he says, forgive me if my blindness makes me clumsy. And I was like, yeah, as if. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I like the pace of the movie and the photography. And I also just was looking at my notes. I couldn't see where they used any stunt doubles or, or extras. I mean, it looked to me like he was doing all of his own. Uh, acting in those in those action and fight scenes. As far as I could tell, he was, and he had a really interesting uh, fighting style. And I thought it was uh, it was appropriate for his character because if you imagine a samurai who is a master swordsman and then goes blind, and you know, but still wants to be able to be a master swordsman, he, he would have to adapt his style. And and it felt really like the way Ichi fought was how that would have actually worked out, you know. And the way that he holds his sword, and it's it's kind of funny because his sword doesn't look like a sword; it looks like a walking stick, and it's kind of hidden that way. And uh, then he pulls it out, and it, it the sword is ever is never really out of its sheath for more than a second at a time. <laughs> I know, He's so fast. That reminds me of those old gunfights in the westerns. Who's got the quickest draw? Where they draw their gun, fire it, and put it back in the in the holster yeah. before it even, you know, the other guy even hits Amazing. the ground. Yeah. Uh, some other thoughts I had on Ichi's character. He saves the woman, but he is reluctant to have a relationship with her, and then he leaves at the end of the movie to wander. The countryside, and then I added, oh, and also to do 25 more movies, plus <laughs> yeah. the television shows. But in a lot of ways, and again, I, I hate to keep doing this, but it's like Gunsmoke and Marshall Dillon, and uh, he never had, Marshall Dillon never had any love interest in Kitty, who was the owner of the Long Branch. It's, it's just, it's amazing how these... Uh, Films go back and forth between countries and cultures and everything else. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the themes are really similar, and even some of the this this the filming style, the the directing uh, seems to be really similar. Uh, but you know, the the there was a scene near the end of the movie where Ichi is walking through the kind of the marshy swamplands around the village with. With uh, Tane, which is the yes. his love interest. They're they're lit by the moonlight, and and Tane is saying that it, it's such a beautiful night, and the moon is out, and. And Ichi says, this is one time when I regret being blind because I'd love to see, you know, how beautiful you are. And, uh, she says that she wants to have lots of, lots of kids. And he says, well, just don't let them to grow up to be Yakuza because, uh, that's what, that's a word they use a lot in the movie, actually, uh, which is like a, you know, another word for like a gangster. Yeah. Uh, and he considers himself, uh, he considers himself to be Yakuza. And he said, and that's, that's the reason 
one of the main reasons why he doesn't want to get involved with her because he he's got this code of honor where he he can't bring he can't bring her into that lifestyle and it, it's it's this is going to be a really uh this is going to be a stretch here but I'm going to connect this movie to the the TV show Sons of Anarchy okay <laughs> so um, the the TV show Sons of Anarchy is is really all about uh, this family and their code of honor and their gang, you know, their gangsters and, and bad guys. But at the same time, they're, they have good, there's good to some of them as well. And that one of the lead characters in Sons of Anarchy wants to get his family out of, out of that lifestyle. And, you know, it's that whole, uh, theme of, I've got to do some bad things, but I'm doing it for like a good purpose or, you know, I've got to do these bad things before I can, I can get out of this bad situation that I'm in. And that seems to be a pretty big theme in this movie as well. Boy, I tell you, it runs through all a lot of movies. I think of the first Godfather movie. Yeah. Where the uh son comes back from the service and he wants nothing to do with the uh family business and then everything changes and, and uh he can't he can't escape it. Um He's like that reluctant warrior, right? He 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 doesn't yes. he doesn't really want to get involved in this this war that's going to be happening between these two villages. And he doesn't really want to fight his friend. I don't know if it's pronounced Hirate or Hirate. Hirate, I'm not sure, but um he he ends up doing those things because he can't really see a way out of it in a, in a way almost. Uh and he's I'd love, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of the details, but, um, I, I like talking about some of these themes. Uh, well, they're so, they're so common. I haven't seen other movies in this series, and I'm wondering if, uh, the woman in this, uh, first, uh, movie reappears in later movies. Well, I've only watched the first three. I've only watched the first three, but she doesn't appear in the first three. But he does have other love interests in the other movies, and it's always the same kind of situation where, you know, he he ends up at the end of the movie, movie kind of wandering off to his next adventure. And I imagine that's the same through all twenty-six movies. I would I would think. I I really like the uh, the near the end when he really let the yakuza gang leader have it verbally. <clears throat> and that's right at the end when he opens his eyes and and uh that, that was a that was a fitting uh end to the movie for that for that action. Yeah, let me let me read uh let me read what he says there cuz that was that was amazing. <clears throat> um so before we get to that we should probably just say that the 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 premise of the movie is that Ichi is is visiting this boss of uh this town this village and the the boss of this village is scheming to go to war with the boss of the neighboring village because uh the boss of the neighboring village is trying to steal all of his gambling uh customers and he he sees in ichi a way to really win this war and, and uh, but unbeknownst to them, there's another samurai, which is, uh, the character's name is Hirate, I guess. And Ichi and Hirate become friends. And we find out that Hirate is, is also very ill and is kind of near, he's not going to be living very much longer. 
And so we get to the end of the movie. Boy, we're going to skip right to the end, but we'll have to loop back to a couple other favorite scenes. But uh, Ichi ends up fighting Harate and killing him at the end. But in doing it, it's he's very he, he's like crying when he actually does uh, kill him, and he's very sad. And he's looking around, and there there are boatloads of dead bodies, and there's dead bodies laying all over the ground. And he walks up to the boss. And the boss is like, "What? A, this is a great day. We won the war." And he's he's gloating about how 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 what a wonderful day it is. And uh, Ichi says to him, なんで your men are lying dead in boats. They died for no reason. And then he opens his eyes and looks right into the boss's eyes and says, What is so happy and wonderful about that? We gangsters are outlaws, shunned by society. That is why we have to go out... That's, that is why we have to honor our code. You act as if you have the right to raise your face to the sun without shame, you fool. And that was that was great because it was a culmination of basically everything that had led up to that point. And Ichi doesn't open his eyes any other time during the movie except for that one scene when he looks right into the boss's face and tells him that, tells him that he's a fool. That was such a powerful scene. Uh there are there are other parts of them well again staying at the end of it when he leaves his the woman and takes off down the trail to do his wandering that was sad to me it was would have to leave because tane was standing in the road and and the they did a great shot uh from kind of above uh because ichi is walking up this mountainside this hillside next to the road and you can see ichi in the trees and then you can see tane down in the on the road and she's just waiting there for him, and, and he's going the opposite direction up the up the mountainside. If you remember the end of the movie Shane I mentioned earlier, that's how it ends. He rides his horse off into the sunset, and you can tell he's uh, never coming back. Was there was there a woman waiting for him? I mean, was there a woman well, in the movie? But there was a woman who was married, so we're never sure if there was a love interest. But in Shane, it was a young boy that didn't want him to leave. Oh. that was running after him, saying, don't go, Shane, Shane, come back. Well, that's and sad, Shane too. Just, just rode off. Yeah, it's a wonderful... We may want to review that film someday. It's a really well-done movie. Uh, there's, a, there's, a whole, the, there's a whole subplot I'd like to talk about, though. Uh, that So the, the main plot, we kind of covered the main plot. It's about this war between the two bosses and how Ichi gets pulled into that. Uh, but there's another uh, subplot, which is uh, the guy that 
at the very beginning of the movie that is that that the boss tells him he has to wash uh, Ichi's feet and give him a massage is named Tat, uh, Tate. He is the brother of Tane, and he's he's a pretty bad guy. He he we end up finding out that he's gotten a, a girl in the village pregnant. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to own up to it. And he doesn't want to help her, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with her. And the sister Tane is is pretty upset about that, and tells him, you know, you need to be a man, and you need to go, you know, talk to her, and you need to help her. And and he's like, go away. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And so Tane says that she's going to go tell their father. We kind of cut forward a little bit to uh, a little bit later in the movie, and we find out that. Tate had been out running some errand for the boss or something, and, and nobody knew where he was, and then he comes back into the, the main house there where the boss lives and where Ichi's staying, and Ichi makes a comment like, uh, oh, you smell like a woman, like you've been around a woman, and Tate says, oh, no, no, I've just been, I've just been out running an errand, and then they do an immediate cut to the next morning where they find a body of a, a woman in the lake, and the implication is pretty clear that Tate had probably killed this girl. Tane later, uh, that day confronts him and says, you killed her and, and he denies it. Uh, but Tane says, well, even if you didn't kill her directly, you killed her by the fact that you wouldn't, you know, help her and you wouldn't own up to the fact that you got her pregnant. And then at the very end of the movie, uh, as Ichi is walking out of the village uh, after this big war, he's walking along, and then Tate comes running up behind him like he's going to try to stab Ichi in the back. You remember that? And Ichi yes. just Ichi hears him coming yes. and just like turns and throws him into the lake or the river that was next to the road there. I couldn't tell. And Tate drowns. Obviously, yes. he, he couldn't swim. And uh, Ichi says something at the end which I like. Probably just some worthless nobody. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and Ichi, uh, we there's another scene kind of after the the girl's body is found, where Ichi says to Tate, because uh, Ichi had been out drinking with Hirate, he comes back to the the house where he's staying, and, and Tate says, "Well, where have you been? I've been looking for you." And Ichi says, "Oh, did you think that maybe I had drowned in the lake?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i think ichi knew that he, ichi he knew, knew how that to take care of business he did and he and he was super smart too and he knew what was going on we can't stop without talking about the scene where he cuts the candle in half oh right right uh sukagoro is the name of the boss where ichi's staying at and the, it's called the sukagoro village and the boss is bragging about how strong his village is, and we're gonna kill those other guys, and we have more men, and we're we're better swordsmen, and we're they don't stand a chance. And did did you notice that he was getting some kind of weird hot like acupuncture done or something on his back during yeah. that scene? <laughs> what was that? Well, I don't know what that was. I don't know. I'm not signing up for it. I'll tell you that. And and, he's, and the boss says, "Well, where's Ichi?" And Tate says, "Oh, he's not here, and I don't know where he is." And then the boss goes on to say, well, 
do you think Ichi's going to fight for us? And the men in the that are sitting around him there in this room say, well, I don't know. I mean, he's blind after all. And Ichi sits up at the back of the room, and he'd been in the back of the room the whole time listening to all this stuff that the boss had been saying and, and how they'd been disparaging him. And Ichi says, I can't let that pass. And he uses his super hearing to notice that there's a candle at the front of the room. And he walks up to the front of the room and sits down right next to the candle. And he's, and I love this. This is, this is my favorite scene in the movie. He says in a very nice tone of voice, he says, he doesn't mind being called blind, but then his tone of voice completely changes and it's totally menacing and he says, But I won't have anyone look down on me because I'm blind. And he says to the boss, he says, well, you, you can see, but, and I'm blind, but can you do this? And he reaches out and grabs this big candle that's sitting next to him, and he, he kind of sets himself and gets himself ready, and he throws it up in the air, and like within a split second, his sword comes flying out, and it goes right back into his, into the sheath, and then the candle falls down, and it's in half, and it's still burning. Each side is still burning as it hits the ground. <laughs> And everybody in the room is like stunned, like silence, like they don't say anything. That's an amazing scene. It's it's not so much the swordsmanship that got me. It was it was the way that he changed his voice. And Harate says to Ichi later because they're sitting and drinking uh, and and having some sake uh, at the temple where Harate's staying, and he says to Ichi, "You don't fool me. There's an almost menacing intensity emanating from you." Try as you might, you can't hide it. I love that line. And it's so true that, that his character is exactly that way. He's just, his charisma is amazing when he enters a room. Yeah, he, he, he kind of uh, fills the room with his presence. Totally. Well, um. one, one more favorite scene. <laughs> Sorry, I really love this movie. <laughs> um, while you're looking that up, you've looked, you've watched the second and third installments. Do they hold up as well? I know the third one is in color. Yeah. So if you if you think of the first three movies as a trilogy, then it really holds up well. And I think by the third movie, they had kind of found their stride in terms of directing, and and I think uh, you know the acting and the actors had kind of really hit their stride with the characters uh, because. The climax of the third movie is really good, and it's really emotional. And I, I, I would almost say that, you know how a lot of movies are three acts, like you had described the three acts of this movie? Yes. I would think that the first movie, <clears throat> second movie, and third movie are like three acts of a whole. And if you get a chance to watch the other two, they're on Hulu right now, uh, Hulu Plus. Okay. Which I think is like eight, eight bucks a month to subscribe to. Uh, and there's a ton of really good classic uh, Criterion movies on there. Yeah, watch all three and kind of watch them back-to-back as much as you can because it all kind of builds up to the climax of the third movie. So I will do that. Uh, it's not on Netflix, but uh, Hulu, okay. Yeah, and you can get Hulu on the iPad. and 
watch it on your computer and stuff. So, um, I think, I think I just want to talk about one more favorite scene. Uh, so Ichi and Harate are, are sitting there having sake, uh, at the temple. And then a couple of these, uh, gangsters from the other village come in and they want to talk to Harate about their plans for this war that they're going to start against, uh, Tsukagoro. And Ichi kind of excuses himself and says, well, I need to get back and, you know, thanks for the sake and, and he leaves and there's a really nice scene between Harate and Ichi where they're kind of thanking each other and you can tell they're really good friends at that point. And Harate goes back in to talk to these two gangsters and they're like, well, who was that? And Harate's like, well, that was Ichi. He's, he's staying with Sukugoro. And they're like, what? Why didn't you stop us from talking? We were telling them all about our plans. And, and Harate's like, well, I didn't know you guys were going to say that stuff. And the two guys are like, well, we have to go get him. We have to kill him. We have to stop him. And Harate kind of smiles and goes, I'd like to see that. <laughs> and literally, like he, like literally, he, he follows them and, uh, uh, Ichi's kind of walking back to Sukugoro and these two guys come running. And again, he uses his super hearing to hear them coming down the path and, there's a young boy from the temple walking with them with the lantern, and right. Ichi tells the young boy to, yeah, you better go back now, thank you, I, d- I don't need any more help, and these two gangsters come up, and Ichi's like, um... You guys should probably just go back. You know, I don't want any trouble. And they're like, "Well, no, we have, we, we can't let you go back. You heard our plans." And Ichi's like, "Well, I'm not. I'm going to put up a fight." <laughs> I mean, he gave them like ample opportunity to go back, but they wouldn't listen. He kneels down, and he blows out the lantern, and he says, "There, now it's pitch black. That makes it even." So, I mean, he's always in the dark, right? But now these two guys are in the dark as well. <laughs> and, again, it's like literally less than a second. His sword comes out, slices one guy, slices another guy. It goes back, back in the sheath, and they both fall down. <laughs> and they're mortally wounded, you know. They're like, they're not going to make it. And I just love that scene for the acting, for the, the set design. The lighting was amazing. The, the sword fighting, the whole thing with his hearing. Just all of it was, was great. He was so good at, at what he did. It's uh, it's I enjoyed the movie a great deal. I really did. It's the first of those I've seen. So, so the other thing I wanted to link this movie to, and and it's pretty well known that George Lucas based uh, Star Wars off of a a Kurosawa movie called Hidden Fortress. There's a lot of similarities between that movie and Star Wars, uh, but I think there are other uh, influences like. There are scenes in this movie where it, it almost feels like uh, Ichi's using the Force to to get things done, you know? Um, a good example was when Ichi was sitting next to uh, Harate, and they were fishing. And uh, this is the first time they meet, and Ichi 
tells Harate, says, oh, you, you, have a, you have a fish, your, your bobber's bobbing. And Harate's like, how do you know that? And uh, Ichi says, well, I, I could just sense it. And Harate gives him a really weird look, like, okay. And then uh, they're just sitting there, and, and then Ichi looks over at Harate and says, um, excuse me, I don't mean to be rude, but, but are you ill? And Harate gets a really weird look on his face, like, was like, how, how did he know that? And, uh, Harate kind of plays it off, says, no, 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 I'm, I'm not ill, I'm fine. Uh, but it was like Ichi was using the, the force to, to find out all these different things about Harate at that point. You know, some of these things seem really cliche because they've been done so many times, but I imagine when this first came out in the early 60s, it was pretty, uh, pretty new in, in, in a lot of ways to what had come before that. Oh, I would think so. He used his sword almost as a lightsaber. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see the similarity, too. I hadn't thought of that until you mentioned it now. And I didn't know that uh, George Lucas had had, uh, had uh, based some of the aspects of Star Wars on the movie. But, you know, it's that happens a great deal, like with, with The Magnificent Seven. When I saw that a long time ago, I didn't realize it was based on that other Seven Samurais movie. There's a lot of these, I think, that that go around that we just, at least for me, I haven't, I haven't uh, seen them or I didn't know about them. I'm glad we did this one. Yeah, this was a fun one. I appreciate that you were uh, open to, to going out on a limb on this one, but yeah, it's, as you can tell, I'm a big fan of it. Yes. I, I, I uh, hasten to ask what you rated it. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to give it a 10, but I didn't quite, there's a, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't quite go all the way to a 10. I went to a 9. And, uh, actually, I don't know why I wouldn't give it a 10, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Well, well what did you, what did you give it? I, I, I gave it an 8 out of 10. But after listening to your description of the scenes and how, how it, uh, how you felt about it and enjoyed it so much, I'm surprised you didn't give it a 10 as well. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go to a 10. Give a 10. Uh, because of the, there's, the cinematography is amazing. The acting is, is, is quite subtle in some scenes and, and quite dramatic in others and it's very well done. I thought the direction was, was excellent. Um, the story, although it was kind of simple, there, I love that there were little, these little like side plots and these little nooks and crannies in the movie that upon multiple viewings, it, it just kind of takes on additional meanings and, and there's more to it the more you watch it. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with a 10, actually. Excellent. There we go. So we both gave it uh, good ratings, and yours was uh, at the top. So <laughs> excellent. Yeah. So in two weeks, it'll be the holiday season for sure. It'll be, uh, what is it, the 22nd of December, I guess. Yeah, so our, and, our show uh, will come out on the 24th. Uh, that's right, the 24th, yeah. So we have to do a Christmas movie. And we've selected one, White Christmas. White with Christmas. With Bing Crosby, Rosemary Clooney, and one of the all-time funniest guys, Danny Kaye. I just, I love this movie, but I haven't seen it in probably over 20 years, amazingly. So oh. I'm looking forward to watching it again. The music of Irving Berlin is, is just wonderful. Uh, they had a special on uh, PBS 
or rerun, I guess it was, on Bing Crosby. And uh, all the music that Irving Berlin wrote, a lot of it just so that Bing Crosby could sing it. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and the and dancing, too. Two weeks. It's got some great dancing. Oh, yeah. And if I remember and correctly, the set, the set design is, is, really, is really cool, too. And remember Dean Jagger from 12 O'Clock High? He oh, was the yeah. adjutant. Yeah, that's right. He's the general in this one. So oh, it'll be a fun gosh. movie. It'll be fun. <clears throat> so we'll, we'll do that one and wish everybody a happy holiday or holidays. Absolutely. I should mention that one of our listeners recommended that we do The Third Man. And that's a great movie with wonderful zither music. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, had to, I had to practice that zither. Zither? Zither? It's a, zither. Zither. a great Orson Welles and Joseph Cotton. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be embarrassed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Is that I've never seen that movie. Oh, you're going to love it. So we'll have to put that on our list for sure. I was just going to say, I put together a list of some movies. Uh, if you want to add some to that. Well, we can, we can kind of put together 15 or 20, get a better idea of what we're doing upcoming. Yeah, I, I have a, a list started, and I have to warn you that I've put a couple of the uh, cheesy yet awesome 70s sci-fi movies on there, kind of along the lines of Fantastic Voyage. <laughs> well, I enjoyed that one. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll have to see what we think about that. Can you give a teaser to the... Uh... The name of those cheesy movies? Well, I won't tell you the name, but I, I will tell you that it involves super intelligent ants. So super intelligent ants. That's right. Wow. And it's not them. No, uh, not them. It's not that movie. A different no, ant that movie. Would, that would be too long ago. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I the suspense will kill me, but if you send it to me, I'll add it to my overall <laughs> list. <laughs> All right. I'm going to add also the third man. Yeah, or no, let me add that to mine, because uh, you yeah, already okay. put 10 on your list. But anyway, that, that, was a, that was a suggestion from Jacqueline uh, from the UK, and uh, she's yeah. a, we'll say she's a long-time listener and has suggested other movies, uh, and the one that she suggested that we that we listened to, or, sorry, that we reviewed was... Um, <laughs> Brief Encounter. Brief Encounter, thank you, Yeah. which we both really liked, so thank well, you, you'll Jacqueline. you'll enjoy the third man. And the zither music. Well, we both really enjoyed Zatoichi, and uh, next time it's White Christmas. So coming to you from Seattle, it's Matt Johnson. And from Los Angeles, a happy holidays, it's Bob Johnson. That's it. Thank you, everybody. Have a great couple weeks of movie watching.